Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to it like Dan Red Wings. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Saturday, uh, July 17, 2021. Uh, we got a bonus episode coming for you guys today with Sam McGilligan. We're doing some draft profiles, but late last night, the news comes across the wire. Nick Letty gets dealt uh, to the Detroit Red Wings for a second round pick and Richard Ponick. The Red Wings are going to retain half of the salary cap on Richard Ponick's contract. Uh, I just wanted to, because I was doing this episode anyways, just kind of jump in here at the start and give my two cents on it. I think it's an okay deal. I think it's uh, a pretty even deal. And I think that if you disagree with that, just go online and look at how split the fan base reaction is. I think typically, uh, you know, when a deal is made and half the fan base hates it, half the fan base loves it, that probably means that it's somewhere right in the middle and, and probably a good deal for both teams. What I think has happened is over these last couple of years and even especially over the last couple of months, Red Wings fans have become spoiled by Steve Eisenman's moves. Um, this was not an Eisenman-esque move. Eisenman did not fleece the New York Islanders. Uh, but what he did do was he did get a, a really solid veteran D, line, or D partner for his top prospect on the blue line in his first year in Moritz Sider. And I think that is something that is kind of getting overlooked by people who don't like the deal. It's how valuable uh, a guy like Nick Letty can be uh, for Moritz Sider. Think about what Eric Jalinas did for Moritz Sider this year. Just being able to play up in the rush, uh, you know, kind of let Sider handle the defensive play his defensive game uh, but still has the wherewithal the experience to kind of drop back and and play a game that benefits both of them so I think from that standpoint that is a win for the Red Wings now is it worth giving up a second round pick I don't know Uh, I think the panic moving on from panic is a good thing um, pretty much across the board Next season, you're going to have a lot of guys knocking on the door. Uh, We talked about at length how many bottom six forwards this team is going to have next season. Berggren's going to be pounding on the door before you know it. Lucas Raymond is going to be trying to get up to the NHL, I would imagine, within uh, his first year, you know, down with the team. I don't know if he does or not, but uh, moving on from from panic and getting uh, kind of just a replacement level, who cares, roster filler spot uh, player out of there. Um, I don't like that they retained half of his contract. I will say that right now. I, I don't think it's a big deal in the long run, but I don't like that the Red Wings went into this with cap flexibility, with all the leverage, still ended up giving the second rounder up, uh, number 52 overall, and uh, you know pretty much helped the Islanders out of a cap situation. I don't like that at all. Uh, we will expand on this later on, probably in the week, uh, maybe on Monday's episode when I got Scotty with me. Uh, he is now an uncle. Otherwise, he probably would have hopped on the horn with me. Uh, didn't want to bother him, but did want to give you my two cents on the Nick Letty uh, trade coming in. I apologize for the lack of sound quality. I did not have my microphone. It is currently 11 o'clock on a Friday night, and I'm just shouting into my computer. Uh, but the sound quality with this uh, Sam McGilligan interview will be much better. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we are looking at Olin Zellweger. 
and Xavier Borgo. Uh, Olin Zellweger, by the time that this podcast was over, uh, became one of my favorite options for the Red Wings at 22, and especially if they can get him with one of those earlier second-round picks. Uh, Sam talks to us all about that, why he's so intriguing. Uh, I think you guys are going to like it. We'll be back Monday with Sam. We're going to do two more draft profiles. Uh, This time we are going to be looking at Francesco Pinelli, and uh, I can never remember the name off the top of my head for some reason. Mackie Samuskevich. Uh, So Francesco Pinelli and Mackie Samuskevich is coming on Monday. Enjoy the episode with Sam, and we'll see you back here then. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Saturday. That's right. Saturday episode, little bony action for you. July 17th, 2021. We're here with a pair of draft profiles and one of our favorite guests, Sam McGilligan from McKean's Hockey. Just put out, uh, I believe, the first of an awesome new series. I don't know. We'll, we'll get some details on that in a second. Uh, but I'm Nolan Bianchi. I got Scotty Bentley with me. Scotty, what's going on, pal? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, baby. Hell yeah. And we are also here with the aforementioned Sam McGilligan, uh, a Montreal Canadiens fan, high or fresh off the high <laughs> of a, a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Sam, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Things are a little different now, um, but we should just, you know, for, for record keeping purposes, establish uh, that the last team to sweep the Montreal Canadiens was, in fact, uh, the 1920 Detroit Red Wings. Uh, so congratulations, <laughs> but unfortunately we do have to bring it down just a just a tad. That's okay. Trust me. That final. I've <laughs> never been so close to something and so far at the same time. Like no part of my brain as a hockey scout believed the Canadians could make the Stanley Cup final at first. I thought Toronto is one of those series where anything can happen. Montreal can make like anything happen and win like one series. But to do it four times in a row, I was like, not with that decor. Not against like Colorado, Carolina, Tampa, all that crap. I included Vegas in that list. Then we showed up against them after slaughtering the Jets. And I was like, I believe this. Holy (laughs) shit. I was like, can this fucking happen? I was like, this would, I want this more than any, like the Raptors won. And it was the coolest thing that's ever happened, but it still wouldn't compare. And I was like, Give me, please. I need now. And I think the thing that was awesome about it and like the, 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 it was so cool for you guys because you were so totally playing with house money from this, the, the first putt drop of game one. And no. so to go on that kind of run and to, and I was with you guys, I was, I was riding with you guys. I it tweeted fun, halfway through the second round. This is a team of destiny. I called it. Uh, and it, they were just, they were just playing the games that like they had team of destiny written all over them. Uh, unfortunately, Teams of destiny, they they hardly ever actually make the distance. Uh, and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, it's just one of those things where hats off to them. Uh, you guys had about as as good of a chance as the 1998 Washington Capitals. For no reason uh, within your control, you were just going up against a machine. So congratulations on the yeah, run. Yeah, like prospects. I just – sorry, wait, what was that? Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like – I was maybe five minutes into the Tampa game before like game one, before my brain went, you stupid idiot. Why did you believe you always said it was Tampa Bay, Carolina and Colorado I would eviscerate the Habs, but you beat Vegas. So you can win stupid, stupid, <laughs> you're dumb. 
and I hate you. <laughs> That's okay. You need those moments. You know, you need, you need to balance out the, uh, the good times. <laughs> uh, all right. We are looking at uh, Owen Zellweger and uh, shoot. Xavier Borgo. Xavier Borgo. Xavier Borgo today. Uh, Scotty did the notes on these guys. So I'm going to let him kind of lead the, uh, lead the interview here. I'll be uh, interjecting time to time. I think that's how we're, we're a little late in the game to like change the format, but uh, that's kind of how it's going to go from now on. Let's roll. Cause like before we would, we would each do notes on two guys and then we just ask questions off each other's notes. But like, I don't feel like that's, like I'm learning anything on the other two guys when I do it that way. So I prefer to yeah. just sit back and listen. Uh, Scotty, feel free to, to get rolling on uh, Owen Zellweger. Let's roll, brother. Hell yeah. So uh, so the first thing that you notice when uh, when you're going through and kind of looking at his ranking throughout different websites is, is you guys have him in the 40s. Uh, and quite a few other people have him kind of in the late 20s, early 30s. Um, so I, I guess just right off the bat, just a, a profile him as a player and why you guys or you specifically might be a little bit lower on him than the field. So um, I am actually extremely high on him. Oh, no, that's great then. <laughs> like, I, 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 I love absolutely him. love him. He was a hidden gem that made it by me because – I was WHL scout for spot and I was going through players like on a list. I was like watching ship by ship, then ship by ship, then ship by ship. And I would like, all right, whatever, and move on to next or stay and go deeper. Right. And then McKean's called Zellweger was next on the list. I never watched him. And then I went to McKean's and I didn't watch him. I didn't know until Josh Mallory, who I worked with there was just like, dude, he's amazing. I don't know. What, what do you mean? I was just like, okay, but no one's like buzzing too much about it. So let me go have a look. And then I watched, I was like, okay, yeah, shit. He's great, but no one's talking about him. So like, am I stupid or are they dumb or what, what's going on here? And then I was just like, okay, maybe they're not dumb, but like, I've learned. I think a lot of people have learned and others are still sticking to it that the smaller guy who's ridiculously skilled, who slips in every draft is working out more often than not. It was Caulfield, and then it was Nick Robertson, or I think they were the same draft. It was uh, Debrinkit, ton. You know, there's different examples, not tons, and there are some that bust. But like, he fits the profile of the elite ones so well. His speed and his agility is—he's <laughs> so good at skating, man. There's like. I'm starting to come to the realization that like, even though skating is supposedly one of the easiest things to develop, I don't have personal experience. I don't know, but this is what everybody says. And it's, you know, I've seen tons of examples in the NHL, right? We all have, but like, can you teach someone to skate like that? I don't really know if you can, like there's Brant Clark is never going to skate like Luke Hughes and Olin Zellweger. I don't think he will. He'll Mm -hmm. be amazing in his own right for a bunch of different reasons, but those guys have a level of movement that is just untouchable. And the common theme among almost all the elite offensive <laughs> players in the NHL right now, especially the young ones coming in, is that maneuverability around the ice, just how mobile they are, how much they can just like attack open space and then just like switch directions. Nope, there's open space over there. Follow me now, but your weight's going the other way. See ya. And then he's gone because he's already exploded with three strides all the way up there. That guy's gone. The other guy's rushing over to cover him. And then 
don't know if the player can't make good decisions in those cases, like they have good skating like that, but they can't do anything with it. Then you've got a problem that doesn't Owen Zellweger makes great decisions way more often than not. Mm -hmm. I moved him up to my top 15. So one of the things I want to interject with you is that uh, you just talked about the ranking, Scotty. He's kind of all over the place. Uh, but again, oh yeah, sorry, a five ten player who no no no. I, well, this is I mean this is just a continuation of that. Uh, yeah. Again, we see a five ten player who uh, the lowest place that he's ranked is on Bob McKenzie's scout poll, and he is way like far and away the the lowest he's ranked anywhere else is forty six by Dauber prospects. And on TSN slash McKenzie's list, he's 88. Yeah. That's low. <laughs> and, and again, um, it's just like the, like what you say about the, I, I think when you're asking yourself, is that the reason he's falling? I think that the, these like lists do give us a pretty good idea that that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Like, I do agree with you. I don't really understand it either. Like I would like to, I'm not saying that the people who are lower on Sauerger don't have the reasons, but I would like to hear them. And I would like to hear the explanation to like 35 plus 40 plus players who are better than him, why they're better than him. And then I would love to listen to an NHL scout explain 87 players. I'm not saying like, I'm not an NHL scout. I'm not mm. going to sit here and say like, they're wrong i am new and i have tons to learn but i would love to listen to the explanation because it's like man i don't know he attacks through the middle of the ice all the time where a dangerous chance is created the most in the middle of the ice he has the ability to just slink in and out and nobody can really touch him he's got he protects the puck super well he needs to add finer details add a little bit more deception from stuff like if you took current olin zellweger and threw him in the nhl yeah he's gonna struggle but like look at what current olin zellweger is and now imagine the fact that defensemen normally take way longer to develop than forwards and offensive instincts come really late in career sometimes and look what he can already do with the toolkit that he has mm -hmm. It's just like a recipe for success for me. I'm just starting to look at. I was looking at my list earlier, and I was like, I would not take Logan Stankovic above him. Mm -hmm. I would not take. Uh, who else did I move around? Uh, I would not take Simon Robertson above him. And when we were doing the mock draft yesterday, I remember thinking, I'm like, please follow me, please follow me. And the whole time I went in with like, <laughs> I'm drafting Olin Zellweger because out of all the reasonable falling targets, like my entire top 14, I didn't expect to be there, but he was 15. And I was actually, it was like 18, but now he's 15 because I was like, I want him more than anybody. So clearly I need to move him up. And I did sure. because he's just incredible. And I watched him again today just because uh, you guys mentioned it. And I was just like, <laughs> oh yep, my still God, <laughs> what is he? He's a video game character. <laughs> So the uh, the other thing that uh, is widely talked about is the age, right? Like he is oh. what's six yeah. days. He's, He's so I forgot about that. It, so if he was born six days um, Wait, what, are, earlier, are you, are you on later? the Eric Fowl uh, locked on Sharks train where they're where they're looking at players by their birth birth signs and. Because I am. I don't know if you've been on that show or not. Locked on Sharks. I they have a new theory. I don't know about the birth sign theory. So, so Eric from Locked on Sharks has a new theory about birth 
and like that's actually like studies and like peer-reviewed papers on on later birthdays having more success in the NHL. oh yeah yeah definitely um i've been actually it's funny because i've been casually reading about stuff like this because it's a conversation topic that keeps showing up on my timeline actually on twitter but i haven't actually sat down to like really figure it out like which specific months lead to the best success and star probability yada yada i think one said like january players end up being the better junior players but then turn out to regular nhlers more Mm -hmm. something like that i mean that makes sense yeah but i don't focus overly too much on age and draft year because i still remember like there's a few months in between them, but development isn't linear. And these are teenagers. Sure. There's tons of reasons why they may or may not catch up in five months or why they could just randomly surpass them two years later. I, I don't know. They're, it's not linear. It's a case by case basis. But on the examples of the really, really, really young ones, like the Zellweggers and the Luke Hughes's. Yeah. in the Quentin Byfields last year, like there's something, yeah, there's something to that. 100% there's something to that, I think. Yeah, so his is, he's like literally less than a week away from yeah. being the oldest person in next year's class. And instead, he's by far the youngest this year. Do you think that, I don't know, from your experience, that that's something that, uh, does that hurt or help his like mock, like where he's falling, his draft ranking? Because I feel like, some people might look at that as a, as a negative, you know, oh, he's so young, he doesn't have experience, like you said, et cetera. And then some people might look at it like uh, I would say most of uh, or us three and kind of look at it as more of a positive, like, hey, you're getting this young a kid that's almost a full year younger than everybody. That's, that's an extra year he can put under his belt and get, you know, develop and such. Yeah, like I think there's three ways of looking at it, like you said. There's the it's a bad thing. There's the... I don't really pay attention to it. And then there's the, I think it's a good thing. I think the vast majority of people don't pay attention to birth dates that much, at least the more casual lists that get released when it comes to the actual scouts, most of them are pretty positive leaning towards younger birthdays, but then they all weigh it differently. They they still will weigh a positive birthday law, but they're not going to, use it as a tiebreaker in a lot of cases right you're not going to not draft someone because of his birthday yeah right but there is i've seen this discussion before and i it's probably just by people who didn't really think about what they're saying too much and they if had they thought about it they've been like okay yeah that was dumb but i have actually seen that claim like it's not good to draft a younger player and i was thinking in my head when i read that i'm like you realize he's gonna age right (laughs) <laughs> like he's gonna be 17 forever baby what 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 is it why okay <laughs> all right do that yeah, as you fair. wish if you want to think that way and that's the reason luke hughes or olin zellweger falls to me in the second round i'm right. sprinting to the podium and sending right. flowers to your house here here's a cool thing about being a red wings fan is you can realistically go into the draft assuming that you know you are going to be able to capitalize on everybody else's dumb oh mistakes. My and God. i think that's Detroit's like going to clean house this year. that yeah and and like i think that's why i'm so excited for this draft despite everybody being low on it is i think that 
to a certain degree, I, I feel like the the strength of the class is going to be exaggerated. I understand that there's not necessarily the top end talent at the top, but I mean, if you're going to tell me that you're not going to find stars in the second, third, fourth round, you're going to find them probably more frequently in this year's draft. And you're going to find them more frequently if you're a team like the Red Wings, who has extensive overseas scouting, who has a billion picks in the first three rounds, who has all of these things that I really think take uh, what seems on the outset as a uh, boring or less than spectacular draft class and turn it into something that could be franchise altering. Like, and and I don't want to like obviously cast expectations or jump the shark on that at all, but uh, you know, facts are facts. The Red Wings have one of the best scouting departments in Europe. Uh, That's where a lot of hockey was played this year, like particularly this year. And uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for that. Literally everything you just said, I agree with. Like, I keep hearing it's 2012. I keep seeing NHL e-models being posted of players where it's like less than 2012. And I'm not going to pretend like I know more than the guys who put these models together, but I am going to go, dude, it's a goddamn pandemic season with the guy who, what? Do not reference this season against any other scoring season ever. There's tons of factors at play that you could not even account for. You don't know what's going on in the players' heads and you just don't know what's going on is yeah except that this is a weird year and look at each player as an individual case study 100 and 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 the thing with that is is like i i think that's important too you don't know what's going on in that player's head you don't know what happens you know obviously the the brant clarks in the world is okay with just being dropped off in slovenia in the middle of a uh, or slovakia in the middle I, of a pandemic that's what i just, said you know yep. and uh, okay maybe, too. maybe him but everybody else like you know just there are going to be extreme cases that aren't, you know, taken into consideration. And I just, I cannot wait to see what comes out of that. As much as we like have, have talked about how we can't wait for this class to, to be over with. I still can't I'm wait to really see it. I'm really excited to see it happen. Same. See I, it's going to be so fun. I just can't wait for the time after. I just want the part before it to end. Yeah, no, I'm right there with Like you. some teams <laughs> are going to get Atu Ratu at like 23 overall. And then people are going to look back and be like, he was literally projected number one. What the hell? I, I see. I'm I don't gonna think be like, that's going to happen. I think he's going to, he's going to be one of those guys that goes at like 12 and then we're all going to be like, Oh, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't hope, feel that I way actually for any particular hope so reason because other than like a gut. I actually have him at 12. So I think that would be a great pick. And I could easily <laughs> be convinced to take him sooner because he's awesome. The whole, like, he's got a lack of confidence thing. I think is just kind of nitpicky. You can point at tons of different examples of situations you don't have all the details on because you don't know the player and be like, well, that can be from a lack of confidence. Yeah. Like, I like, I don't think he, I don't think it's unfair to say he got into a mental rut. He absolutely mm-hmm. did because he, you know, didn't make the world junior team. He had a horrible start to the season, but a mental rut and a lack of confidence are two different things. Yeah. And he's a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, he's 18 with world pressure on him that none of us felt at 18. We don't know what the hell's you remember, going on. You remember like the, the, the pressure of like going to a certain college and, and you like, Yo! up, you might, you fail one test and you're like, screw it. And you just like fail the next four that like, what? That's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I know. What I'm you know, you're like, like, you show too, up like... and you're like, I'm taking AP stats seriously this year. And then like, you have like a test and you're like, 
AP stats, not for me. And then you just like just ride away <laughs> the rest of the time, you know. But I guarantee that it's like I'm gonna kill the Slovakian league. This, you know what, Slovakian league, not for me. 92 pims in the first three games. I gotta tell you, I don't think I'm gonna hack it here. You know, like <laughs> yeah, man. Like to go back to the Detroit thing, cleaning house with the picks and the uh, like, just the weaponry of picks that you guys have. Like, it, man, this is draft. That doesn't have any clear-cut high end. Actually, no. Willie Mecklen's a clear high end talent. Matthew yeah. Beniers is the type of center you want to play in your top six as a cup contending team. Like he's not going to be the regular season player that gets the credit he should, because people don't know how to properly evaluate players like them yet. But he's going to be so damn good in the playoffs. Yeah. Actually, people are going to recognize how good Matthew Beniers is. Like people know Ryan O'Reilly's good, but Ryan O'Reilly is even more special in the playoffs because that type transfers so well. His whole game is built playing through pressure. That's why he thrives. Matthew Beniers plays through pressure. He's going to thrive in playoff hockey. Yeah. So is Eklund. But what I was saying was um, there's so many maybes that could be something actually mm-hmm. significant. Yeah. Maybes and a lot of them, This no draft has ever been more dependent on post-draft development than this one. Yeah. Because like this, I remember back in 2017, they were saying the same thing. It's a 2012 draft. It's, I remember seeing on Reddit one time that there was an article where first round picks in 2017 were worth less than the 2018 first round picks by a ridiculous margin. And GMs were all the winning GMs were trying to trade theirs at the market, but the sellers weren't wanting them or some like ridiculous bullshit like that. Didn't end up being true. But I remember reading through the comments. I was like, this draft sucks. It's 2012. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. I remember looking up the experts and they're saying, this draft sucks. It's 2012. It's this and that. It's this and that. I remember thinking, this draft sucks. And no, it doesn't. Well, so <laughs> it's and he- really and, good. And, and, here's, and here's the thing it's that kind of better. put things in perspective for me, right? Lucas Raymond last season. Uh, a lot of people had him at three, like I had a Stutzla. A lot of people had him right after Stutzla. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and, You're welcome, and- man. I thought you got, <laughs> I lost my shit when you guys took him. I was like, guys, man, you were so goddamn smart. You're so good at this hockey thing. Yep. Uh, and I and I got a DM from Mikhail Holm the other, or a couple weeks ago and was like, hey, by the way, Eklund is ahead of Lucas Raymond for me as a yeah, he was at the draft. I still don't and, disagree with him, but it's so close. Like it's an argument. Yeah. 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 And, but like that to me, like it being an argument is all I need to know, you know, like, yeah. Like, cause, cause the <laughs> idea was that, Oh, if Lucas Raymond was in this year's draft, you go one, one for sure. No questions asked. Well, if William Eklund is in contention to go number one, but not a clear cut to go number one. Doesn't that kind of, if William Eklund could go six, we go five. You know, like, yeah, like I'm with you. Um, I do have Raymond ahead of Eckland, and I did say that I would take Lucas Raymond first overall in this draft. But that's because Lucas Raymond is an extremely high end prospect who would go top three in almost any draft at the time of his draft season is the single best example that I've ever seen of a player being so much better than the numbers say. And People are really sleeping on what Lafreniere and Byfield are going to be. It's not a slight to be third overall behind those guys and be first overall in this draft and still be an elite player. Like both of those things can be true. Lucas Raymond could be like a weaker first overall pick 
but still a really good one. Like mm. William Eklund is like, like I think William Eklund is not better than some of the guys who's gone in recent years. Absolutely. He's still going to be a damn good pick. We're not going to be looking at it. It was just like, <sighs> there's like 15 players in this draft who are better than him. And it's only been four years. Like that's not going to happen. He's so good. He's going to be good. He's never going to not be good. I just wrote this thing out for him again. I've got three more things on Eklund coming this week. <laughs> it, he's oh, so okay. good. Actually save that. Cause we're going to, we're going to plug that when we do the, uh, when we do the Pinelli. Uh, oh, that's fair. Piece. So what do you got? What else you got for Zell? Uh, by the way. Oh my God. Open we're talking Zellweger about Owen Zellweger. At the that's right. <laughs> Zellweger. I apologize for my miscue. Scotty, do you have anything more on Zellweger before we move on to Burgo? The, uh, the only one I wanted to ask was, uh, which I feel like I know the answer because of how, how much, uh, how much you said you like him. But if we take him in the second round, what letter grade do you give that pick? A plus. There you go. That's like nice. literal A. <laughs> Here's how That's I would describe I it. If it's in the twenties and Detroit uses their capital to move up, which is something I don't often say you do, unless there's a clear gem falling. Like we Barzell. have 22 already, right? 22. Oh, take them there. Okay, yeah. beautiful. Oh my God, yeah. take up there. I wouldn't even take the risk of letting them fall. The only like two players who could still be on the board realistically, or three, I guess, because I do think Alturachi might slip, would be like Ratu, Cylinder, and Svechkov, because this draft is weird. Good players might slip. Sure. But I wouldn't fight my GM if he was just like, I like Zellweger more. I'd be like, yeah, okay, like I see it. Like if you're getting him anywhere past like 20, <laughs> all right. Nice. Hell yeah. I love Good it. Pick. And I, I really it. think that I think he's going to Detroit. Like I really do think he's going to go to Detroit. I, I, I don't know it. why I thought this already. I, if he's going in the first round, I think it's going to be at 22. There are so many players that I want because we didn't do this like as extensively last time. Like we covered all the, the possible options at uh, one four, but we didn't do we're, we're like 60 deep now. And I don't know yeah. how you manage to like pick a favorite or like rank people because there are 60 players that I want at 22 <laughs> and uh, it's tough, but uh, Burgo, what do you got on Burgo, Scotty? Uh, so his is, we don't have to touch on this too much because we kind of covered both ends of the spectrum, but um, we were going from the youngest player in the draft to one of the oldest players in the draft, I guess, just kind of same question. Does, do you think that that uh, might negatively or positively affect his draft stock? I don't think it will negatively affect his draft status. Um, it won't be a, some people might see it as a positive, but not specifically because of the age, but because I guess you can see how he's going to project more. Sure. But it's interesting with him because while that's a true statement, he's extremely moldable with how you can develop him. Like you can see a couple of different archetypes of player that he could become and it's all projectable. And it's like, which one do I want to mold him into? Do I want to make him a supporting winger? Do I want to try and make him like super elite via like top six forward? I'm lower on his upside than others. Um, he's got... He's got a good shot for sure. And he creeps behind defenses really well. But those types of players 
worry me because why are they creeping behind defenses? Are they creeping behind defenses because they're sitting around in like dead space that's not really helping or doing anything for their sure. team? And then they're like, oh, there's the lane. And then he's like there and he plays with Maverick Bork. So like get in slot, Bork, get you puck. It's very simple. <laughs> it's not like, it's still well-timed in, it's still a well-timed route and it's projectably well-timed, but it's like an opportunity cost question at this point. It's like, okay, but what could you be doing that's worth sure. more? Mm-hmm. He can go into board battles. He's not bad, but I don't, I'm not going to say he's reluctant, but he prefers to sit and try and sneak in around the net. He's got a good shot. He's got like he's still a dangerous player from mid range, but I don't see super high end playmaking skills. Like he doesn't solve problems extremely fast paced. Sure. Complex ones almost always turn into a turnover or just like at best, like he just resets play back to someone, which is fine. You don't want to turn it over. Like that's not a bad play. But like Willie Mecklin's worst case scenario is resetting the play. Mm-hmm. everything else he's going to do is like try and be good. I know that's an extreme comparison, but like no, Borgo sure. often doesn't experience pressure and then make you go, holy shit. <laughs> His whole thing is kind of like slipping around and through pressure. And it just comes back to the, what is it? What's the cost of that? And how projectable is it? What yeah. can he be? He's not going to be like a bad player, but I am starting to wonder if I would take him with a first round pick. Um, I think he could easily make me look like an idiot. I think he's also a player where um, if a team is comfortable and have like this unique style of what type of player he could be, and they think they could develop him and like, Hey, if we teach him how to pull off three different various skill moves while improving his skating, look at all the opportunities he could create both through here. Maybe that won't be dead space no more. It's like that type of, you develop a skill and it opens up a link to all the rest of his games comes together. Everything starts to look really well. He's layering his tools that can fucking happen to anybody. Yeah. Pardon my language. That can happen to anybody. It's like, I don't know. Okay. Take the <laughs> risk. And if I'm wrong, then you know what? Enjoy the player. He's not a bad guy. He's <laughs> enjoy him. And if so- I draft Olin Zellweger and he doesn't play in the NHL, then shit i'm still gonna drop the small skill guy over him next year and maybe that one will be right sometimes you hit sometimes you don't so he sounds like more of a uh he he might have a higher floor but not yeah. the ceiling right like more you know if you're talking just percent chance of being like a whatever like bottom six or middle six forward like maybe but as far as the top end talent like a lot less likely yeah i i mean Mikhail told me, Mikhail Holm told me that he thinks Borgo could be the second best player on any line outside of like a super elite high end first line. And I was like, okay, I can see that. Sure. But again, it's an opportunity cost question. It's like, is he going to be better than what out like is, Xavier Borgo going to be a better second option than Mackie Samuskevich? Actually, maybe. I don't know. God damn it. <laughs> like, I'm thinking no, about this. Like, enough. I see the point where he's making with it, and that's valuable in its own right. But I don't – I think there's a lot of universes where it's just, like, he's the second best player on, like, a good third line. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you get mm. that in the first round in a draft, some people say is weaker, then – 
you know, you still you didn't waste the picks. Right. I don't know. He's just not my type of player, I think, is the issue where I can still respect sure. the talent and still respect everything he offers. But I was wa- every time I watched him this year, I was watching Maverick Bork again instead because he's so I, – I won't talk about Maverick Bork because we won't ever get off this call. But I love <laughs> Maverick Bork. And when I was watching Borgo, I just kept finding my eye going to Bork and be like, yo, he fell to 30. Montreal took Gooley over him shit why he's so good oh no so um the the other thing that i see talked about a lot with him is uh coming up as a center and a lot of people think that he might move over to the wing at the next level is that an assessment that you share do you think that he can be an effective center hmm what a great I don't question. think he can Is play. A, I don't think he share. can play a center if he doesn't support his teammates well in the NHL. I just don't think the, the NHL is heading in a direction, and especially since it's a copycat league. I mean, you still got old hockey men working in the league who see Tampa and go big. That's why sure. they win. But we all know it's like the young skill players who like make up eight out of the ten best players on that team, right? Like we, sure, we know it's Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. It's not freaking their third pairing big guy (laughs) eventually the nhl is going to copy this and that means you need centers who can support their wingers and play in open space and be able to route themselves around the offensive zone away from the puck in a way that just always adds positive plays because you do enough positive plays in a row without them screwing up you get a goal even if he's not getting the assist, he's still going to be driving ridiculously good results. Like that's what you want from your center. Even if there's not points, you want consistently good results in all three zones. Uh, I don't, if Xavier Borgo is in the role of center at the NHL, I don't think he will be the second best player on a good line. Sure. Fair (laughs) enough. The, uh, the only two I have left for him are a, his defense seems to be, uh, quite the topic of conversation, maybe a weaker defender up there. Um, and then the question that I uh, that I asked you at the end of the last one, if if we take him with our pick in the 20s, what letter grade do you give it? And then if that's a bad grade, at what point does it become? Would you like at our top of the second round pick, I guess, would what, what grade would that be? So for the first question about the defense, kind of goes back to the supporting thing again. It's just like, he doesn't support his teammates. Well, like you want to be moving as a five man unit, always adjusting to what you see the offense doing and then taking their space away. So you can take the puck away and then attack through that open space that you took away from them. In theory, it doesn't ever work out that smooth often, but that's like the goal you want. You want players who think like that. So those, fast passing plays can happen and that they're always in the right position to avoid high danger chances. And I just don't know if Borgo can do that. He can make good individual one-on-one defensive plays. That's just not as valuable as being able to fit in with the whole team, especially since most of the guys who can, can also make good one-on-one defensive plays like that, then be a winger and go do that. Fair. Uh, 
what if you guys take him at 22? It's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick. And you know what? If Yeiserman took him, that's when I would start going like, okay, there's just, that <laughs> becomes an, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm smarter than the Detroit Red Wings scouting staff <laughs> who also got a development plan in mind for him. Like they see something. Sure. I, and I totally get what people are seeing. It's a philosophy difference. And I was just like, okay he might end up being on the better projection if Detroit takes him. So like, it's not a bad pick. I just question like, okay, but what if Detroit took Olin Zellweger instead? It's just like, sure. Fair he's enough. Like, what are you going for? The middle six forward with Detroit. I could really see like a good middle six forward. I could see that Zellweger being like a really, really good top four defenseman with first pairing upside in Detroit. Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's probably gonna happen. So you should take Olin Zellweger. Fair enough. At the second round pick, though, that would be that's value at my point. Like I have him at twenty eight. That's value. Even if I think like I wouldn't pull the trigger, like I wouldn't hate if I left the draft with Borgo as my first player. I would just be like, shit, that didn't go according to plan. Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.